Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out, right now. My best mates are down in Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with people who know Vegas. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Vegas. Have you ever met someone that you hadn't heard of only to learn that they'd seen incredible things, met fascinating people that everybody knows, and been a part of history? Today, you'll meet someone that fits that description to a T. Her name is Diana Eden, and she'll join us in just a few minutes. Of course, our regulars are here, hoping to send a little Vegas home with you. Michael Shackelford, the Wizard of Odds, is with us. We've got food covered as well with Chef Justin Wells and barbecue master Mike Ross. Beverages are handled today by our old friend, America's first master sommelier, Eddie Osterlin, and Flipping Vegas' Gady Madrano discusses life in real estate. And on the Sports Rock on Tours, sports writer and author Dan Schlossberg is back sharing his insights on baseball. First up, your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com. Today, Scott talks about something new on the Strip. Kind of exciting, a new hotel. We've been talking about the resorts world since I met you. And finally, it looks like it's actually going to happen. Yeah. Well, resorts world definitely has had some delays. uh, But I believe those delays were intentional. Uh, I think they realized that they which was not spectacular prior to the lockdown, uh, they realized that coming online with thousands of new hotel rooms is going to be a challenge. So I think they've put this off. Uh, They've been watching the Las Vegas Convention Center. They've been watching the the development of the Raiders uh, Stadium. But uh, at the moment, it's looking like it's it's looking like a Vegas resort. They're doing uh, testing on some external lighting, like, I think it's going to be as big as the hotel tower, uh, some, this lighting display. It's going to be eye-popping. If you're at the Win and Encore, you're going to have a front-row seat, whether you want, it, <laughs> want <laughs> to not. see it or not. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the Asian theme is gone. It really has been downsized a lot. They, uh, in the beginning, there were going to be seven hotel towers. I mean, a lot of that has gone away. But they, the construction has continued. You can really see progress. Uh, I got a nice uh, kind of aerial view of the of the site, and it's really coming together. They're building out a shopping uh, promenade toward the street, so it'll be very accessible uh, on Las Vegas Boulevard. But it's I'm telling you, it's starting to look like a real Las Vegas hotel, and there is excitement around anything new and big and shiny uh, because so many projects have fallen through. The Drew fell through. There were a lot of high hopes about that. Uh, All Net Resort have not heard anything from them in in quite some time. And a few of these projects that were pitched and they had renderings just have have not come to fruition, whether whether related to the pandemic or not, because there were quite a few that were just, they never really had the funding to begin with. Uh, And this has kind of put, put uh, put an end to them. But for the most part, Resorts World is looking good. Circa downtown also looking good, both on schedule. Uh, Circa is going to be December of 2020, and Resorts World is going to be summer of 2021. 
Thanks, Scott. Don't forget, visit VitalVegas.com every day and follow Scott on Twitter at VitalVegas. If you've listened to the show much, you know my favorite all-time film is It's a Wonderful Life. Now, it's not Christmas time, but it always strikes me when you meet somebody that really has touched so many lives and has done so many wonderful things. And when you want to talk about a wonderful life, you're going to meet somebody here. Her name is Diana Eden. She lives in Vegas. She teaches, actually, at UNLV, but she's had an incredible life and has just released a new book of her memoirs. It's called Stars in Their Underwear, My Unpredictable Journey from Broadway Dancer to Costume Designer for some of Hollywood's biggest stars. Boy, that's no question. What a life you had, Diana, and uh, started out in England, and you were hearing bombs overhead as a little, little kid. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I was. I was. I was uh, born into quite a uh, tempestuous time. It brought you in so many different places, so let's kind of run through that. You started out trying to be an actress and doing some of this great stuff, and you, you, you made some real headway there. So you come over to America. How do you get started in all this? Well, um, you know, my p- mother took me to dance class at an early age, like a lot of little girls, and I loved it. And then she took me to uh, London to the theater to see a real ballet performed, and that sealed the deal. I mean, I was absolutely riveted and wanted nothing more than to be a dancer for the rest of my life. So um, I started my training, and then my family immigrated to Canada when I was uh, 10, and I continued my training and uh, was completely focused on being a ballet dancer and actually had a little success in that field at an early age. And then became an actress, and uh, you got Mm -hmm. into costume design. But before we get into all that, one of the things that I really liked about the book is your honesty. I mean, you had highs and lows, and you share all that stuff. It, I mean, it wasn't a per- it was a wonderful life, but it wasn't a perfect life, right? I mean, you had a lot of right. different issues in your time. Well, you know, it's a struggle. Life is a struggle, and you know, I wanted to share the really wonderful moments that I've had, extraordinary moments, really, and uh, the wonderful people I've worked with, but you know, um, when you're starting out and you you you're young and you're ambitious and you're poor and you know all these things it's it's not easy and um you know there were many times where i was very lonely and very depressed and and uh, wasn't sure what was going to happen to me and uh, but i just kind of put my head down and kept going and life kept taking slightly different turns and i would follow those and um eventually you know, things started to turn around for me, and I became a costume designer, and that seemed to be the area in which I really blossomed and became successful. More with Diana Eaton in a moment. Let's check in now with the Wizard of Odds, Michael Shackelford. Obviously, as you're considering odds and so forth, something like... I know real roulette players hate it. All of a sudden now there's a triple zero. That changes everything, right? And not for the the gambler's advantage. Yes. To give some background on that, I believe it was the Venetian that was the first one in Las Vegas, probably anywhere, to throw out a triple zero roulette wheel. And everybody was saying, 
people are not so stupid to play this if there's a double zero game right next to it at the same minimum, which there was. But boy, were we wrong. Every time I walked into the Venetian, they had one triple zero game and three double zero games. Not necessarily all the double zeros were open, but the triple zero game always had the most players and the and the minimum bets were exactly the same. So, you know, it is what it is. I, I think that the smart roulette players are not forced to play triple zero roulette. I think they will have no trouble finding a double zero game, but I think that as time goes on, we're gonna see more and more triple zeros and less and less double zeros, much like six to five blackjack is now the order of the day for low limit tables in blackjack. So is that kind of the way, kind of inside baseball, but is that kind of the way the casinos do it where you put that stuff out, you take the arrows and so forth and eventually people just forget about it or don't want to bother to leave their hotel and go down the street to a different hotel that has different odds? I think the casinos don't even care about the few arrows that they get. They probably think these are the smart players that we don't really want anyway. So if, say, the Venetian or the Win or whoever loses some players when, say, they switch from three to two to six to five, they probably would think, you know, let them go. They're not very profitable anyway. Thanks, Michael. Back with Diana Eaton author of Stars in Their Underwear, in a moment, along with a visit from Chef Justin Wells and barbecue master Mike Ross. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Hi, this is Andy Martello, Las Vegas entertainer, award-winning author, voice of the Las Vegas Aviators, and generally tired human being. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Hi, this is Dr. Annette of The Dr. Annette Show. We've been talking today about COVID-19 and steps you can take to possibly prevent or mitigate infection. Silver and zinc have been used for centuries as disinfectants and as antimicrobials. We're offering you this special discount to make it easier and more affordable to get these essential silver and zinc liquid mineral supplements. Visit our website at www.elementalresearchinc.com and use promo code VEGAS20 to get 20% off silver and zinc products. Once again, that's www.elementalresearchinc.com and use promo code VEGAS20 to get 20% off silver and zinc products. Professional line not included. We are all in this together and we can get through this. Learn more at elementalresearchinc.com and use the promo code VEGAS20. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Have you been diagnosed with lung cancer or mesothelioma? Did you spend your life working hard in a shipyard or in the railroad industry? Were you a pipe fitter in the oil or gas industry? Or maybe you worked in construction or you're a proud Navy veteran. If you worked in any of these industries, it's a high likelihood you worked around or near asbestos in your lifetime. And if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer or mesothelioma, you may be entitled to significant compensation. Our attorneys have been fighting hard for years to win our customers the compensation they're entitled to for their pain and suffering. So if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer or mesothelioma, call right now for help. This commercial is paid for by Airtime Media, and I'm a non-attorney spokesperson. 800-814-5077. 
Again, that's 800-814-5077. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Great food is part of the Vegas experience, and we're attempting to package it up for your home. Chef Justin Wells has been sharing must-have appliances, but the question is, where do we get them? You mentioned price before, and I know price is a big thing. For somebody that wants to get into it, is there a place that you recommend to go or a couple of places, a type of place to buy these type of materials? Yeah, I mean, I hate to say it, but honestly, Amazon is a convenience. I mean, you can kind of look through and check out customer reviews and things like that. And, you know, if you want to go in person, I really like Sur La Tabla. You know, I mean, you're, you're obviously spending in a retail environment, but I mean, they have lots of beautiful stuff in there and sometimes you just want to touch something before you buy it i mean a lot of times you know what isn't what is a 10 quart pan i mean do you know what the size of that is you can kind of read but for me i like to a lot of times pick something up or handle a knife i like to pick the knife up and use it and see so a lot of times retail environments like that they're they're they exist for a reason but you know for general cooking stuff i mean we we tend to use amazon a ton Thanks, Chef. Let's get back now to our conversation with Diana Eden, author of Stars in Their Underwear. And that's where Las Vegas comes in because you started working with Anne Margaret. Talk a little about that. First of all, she was a big star at that time. I was a big fan as a little child. Oh, I, yeah. I got to say, I was a big fan. Oh, of yeah. Her. She was a huge star. Well, she had sort of burst under the scene um, with uh, Bye Bye Birdie and some of her early movies in Las Vegas, and uh, dancer, singer, actress. Um, so she had a nightclub act, which was one of the big nightclub acts of, of the time, uh, with dancers and singers and scenery and, you know, 33-piece orchestra. And uh, her husband, Roger Smith, produced it, and it had all of the top talent. And uh, I was lucky enough to be hired to take care of the dancers, on the show because I, having been a former dancer, had experience with uh, what dancers needed in their wardrobe. So uh, I would come up, um, you know, to Las Vegas and stay at Caesar's Palace with the rest of the company and go down to the uh, showroom every night and help get the costumes ready and it was absolutely fabulous. And then you stayed in Vegas with working on uh, Jubilee, which I remember Don Arden's Jubilee with yes. Bob Mackie. What an opportunity that was. And boy, it, that just skyrocketed your career in this world. Exactly. Well, it was through Anne Margaret that I met Bob Mackie. Um, and he had then asked me to be his assistant on Jubilee. And uh, that was a big, big, big project. And um, I spent, I think it was about 10 months um, in L.A. at his uh, business place, um, helping build the costumes and get everything ready. And then a group of us came up to Las Vegas for eight weeks to do all of the fittings because those costumes all had to be fit individually, every single costume. And it was a huge cast. And uh, so I was living at the MGM Grand. And interestingly enough, you also have some uh, Las Vegas history regards with the MGM fire. And it was just fascinating. I I, I could feel the fear. Uh, Your description of it was incredible. 
kind of run us through that day because I, I remember reading that and it, it, you can't put it down because you can really feel it, especially because yeah. you have no idea that's coming. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. I went to bed the night before thinking I was going to get a good night's sleep and uh, be ready to continue the next day. But I was awakened by uh, a bump on my door, somebody kind of knocking, uh, you know, bumping into my door. And there was just this strange sound of people running and it didn't sound like anything I'd heard before. There was a really weird kind of panic to it. So I poked my nose out and, and the hallway was full of smoke and people were running. And um, so I knew that, you know, I had to get dressed pretty quickly and uh, get out myself. So that was my main intent. I didn't even have time to put on shoes. I just threw some basic clothes on, grabbed my bag and went into the hallway um, followed the crowd who were heading toward the um, fire escape. No, that there fire was. was very important in the entire tourism business and yes. big buildings. You know, now you would expect to be woken up maybe by on a loudspeaker with definite instructions. And when you got it, yeah. I, was, I was amazed at the fact that you were kind of on your own. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was nothing. And actually, the fire um, really changed things so much in... Uh, the building of hotels and safety standards. Um, and it happened quite quickly in Las Vegas um, after the MGM fire. All of the codes were changed. Uh, things, I mean, you ask any fireman in, in Las Vegas, and if, if he was around during that time, he'll tell you, oh, yeah, uh, you know, definitely things were changed. And if he's a younger fireman, I've even talked to a younger fireman, they said, oh, yes, we know about that fire. That changed everything. More with Diana Eden coming up. Time now for barbecue master Mike Ross of Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Today, a very saucy discussion. You know, the funny part is I think a lot of people grade barbecue, unfortunately, and this is, a, again, the novice thing, is on the barbecue sauce. And, you know, you have great sauces. There's no question it's great. But isn't really the, the real tell of like a brisket or even ribs is how it stands alone, you know, how it tastes yeah. when you go, when you start. Yeah. So, you know, I, there's a lot, again, a lot of different debate about sauce on the barbecue. And it's, I think it's personal. I think it's a preference. You know, there's styles of barbecue that don't have sauce on it, like Texas. That you, if they would put, if they would call themselves a Texas restaurant, then and put sauce on their food, they'd probably get ran out of town. But I'm, I personally, I'm not a, I'm not a Texas restaurant, and I, have, I don't even have a, a style of a traditional style of barbecue at all. I kind of make up, made up my own, and I call it, you know, call it Las Vegas style, whatever that means, right? And then I put a, a very small glaze on my food. I, that's the way I like it. You know, I eat barbecue a certain way and I love barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce is a humongous industry. You know, there's like billions of dollars of barbecue sauces sold in this country. There's a reason for that. People like barbecue sauces, right? Yeah, right. And I'm here to serve people and most people like barbecue sauce. So I'm not, there's a small, there is a small group of purists that really don't, that they don't like that kind of thing and put sauce on barbecue. But there's a larger group, as far as the business standpoint, of people that like barbecue sauce. So, and I want to serve them, the big, large group of people like me that like barbecue sauce. So right. this with this restaurant, like just like my menu I was talking about, is a representation of me and who I am. And so that's why the whole menu and the food is served is how I would personally eat it myself. And nothing goes out 
unless I really like it myself. So <laughs> yeah, and that's why it's all. We just do a little, yeah, we just but it's an enhancement. You can't cover it up. Now I've seen places that dump barbecue sauce on their food. You know that's a telltale tar- sign that something's wrong, or you get leftover food, right? right? But if you know if a small glaze and just to enhance that flavor a little bit more, you know I, I think that's that's really really good. Thanks, Mike. A reminder, if you're in Vegas or are headed here, make sure to visit Jesse Ray's. If you mention Vegas Never Sleeps, they take 15% off of your bill. Now, people have taken advantage of this offer, and they tell me that Jesse Ray's meal was incredible. That's what we call winning big in Vegas. Coming up, more with Diana Eden, author of Stars in Their Underwear, and our regular features that look at wine and luxury living. Remember, all of our shows are archived on our website, VegasNeverSleeps.com. You can also listen on SoundCloud, iTunes, and more. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. We've discussed picking up great cooking equipment and barbecue sauces. So how about a great beverage? You can't beat sparkling wine. And our old friend Eddie Osterlin, America's first master sommelier, is back to discuss bubbles. If you really want to start an evening off right, you need to start with sparkling wine. You ought to have a bottle of sparkling wine in your refrigerator 365 days a year. So when the doorbell rings, bing bong, 7 o'clock, you're popping bubbles. You know, it doesn't have to be French champagne. Um... You know, people people like bubbles because they only get it usually at New Year's or somebody's birthday or something like that or a wedding. So if it's a Tuesday night and you're opening bubbles, they're impressed. But you got to serve it with something. Let me tell you something. Sparkling wines like things that are salty and fatty. And one of the things that goes very well with sparkling wines is Parmesan cheese. But... The way to do it is to serve Parmesan cheese that's $8 a pound versus Parmesan cheese that's $22 a pound. One of them is six months old. One of them is 24 months old. When Parmesan cheese gets old, it develops these little white nuggets that are crunchy kernels. They're lactate crystals, and they kind of pop in your mouth. And you put those together with champagne, and as I said, salt fat's where it's at. They like them very much. But you know what? Champagne tastes good with freaking popcorn. Thanks, Eddie. Let's finish our conversation with Diana Eden, author of Stars in Their Underwear. What you did with Diana Ross was amazing. I, I mean, her, her singing is great. And, of course, I remember her growing yeah. up with the Supremes and so forth. But what you did on that tour, you kind of put in her in her outfits kind of a whole new meaning, in a sense, to some of her music. <laughs> and she was big in at that time. I remember you know, I remember cause she'd do a quick Motown review because she really yeah, wanted to get yeah. to her new stuff, right? And yeah, right. You mm-hmm. had her almost like, like um, I think you describe it like a bird taking off, and it really was true. It was <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was at the uh, Central Park concert um, when the wind came up, and it, it was so, um, so strong. We knew that a huge storm was about to descend on us, and I was able to um, call her from the side of the stage, and uh, she finally saw me, and I put on an orange cape that um, uh, she had as as one of her cover-ups, and it was just a light chiffon cape, and it's loaded out, um, you know, like a flame, and uh, after 
you know, the, the, the rain and the thunder and the lightning and everything, um, you know, and obviously the, the concert couldn't continue. Uh, but the next morning, that picture of her in her orange jumpsuit and the orange cape, it was in newspapers around the world on the front page. That's it was fantastic. such a dynamic <laughs> image. <laughs> There's just so many things we, we don't have time to go through, but it would be incredible. Mm-hmm. Even like you talk about the inauguration of uh, Lyndon Johnson, and I found that fascinating because yeah. it's one yeah. of those once-in-a-lifetime things, and to see all that talent in one place has to be incredible. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was. It was like every pop icon of the 1960s was on the bill. And, you know, to be backstage and to see all of these people, it was absolutely amazing. <laughs> and, and, the, and the stars you've dealt with, I mean, you talk a lot about Carol Burnett in the book, and I think it, it was great because that really nice person that you think of her, it sounded like she really was. I mean, that's really legitimate. She is yes. a very nice person. She, Yes, yes. I, she really is. She's a decent person. Um, when I worked with her on that show in on Broadway, it was a terrible time in her life. We didn't agree with all the decisions she made, but, you know, uh, you you can't dislike Carol. She is a decent, fabulous person. And, you know, years later, I would run into her, and, and she would greet you, you know, like she'd known you all her life. She wasn't above things. She she um, she remembered your name, and, and she was warm and wonderful. That's great. So finally, there's a great story about the love of your life, and unfortunately he passed. Yeah. But just a great – and again, it, it really – shows again just how interesting your life was highs and lows just like you say it's not easy well i mean i'm not unique i think everybody has highs and lows and and um you know nobody has a a dream life a perfect life and uh, uh many people lose the love of their life um i'm not unique or special in that way but you know sharing the story i think is useful people people relate people understand and people can live vicariously through the good times and the bad times. Well, and, uh, but by the time you get to that in the book, we're rooting for you. You can, well, let's let's hope, you know, it was like reading a novel, you know, let's hope this ends well. <laughs> it was a great it was a great romance and it was there was no yeah. bad part other than obviously the passing, but aside yeah. from that it's just a great story which leads you to Las Vegas a final time here. Well, you were already there, but now working with UNLV, talk about what you teach and uh, what you're doing right now. Well, I um I love uh, being around young people, um, especially as I'm at the other end of the spectrum, <laughs> I find their energy and their passion and their love of uh, film and all is just wonderful. And I'm I'm there to encourage them. I'm there also to teach them something that isn't taught that many places, which is um, how to costume design for a film. There's a wonderful theater department, and they also have a costume department, but they are being trained to design primarily for theater. And the world of film is very different. We have a wonderful film community in this city. Uh, We produce films. We have filmmakers. We, you know, I wish we had an even bigger film community. Uh, I wish films were made here more and more because all of these young grads from the film department need a place to produce films. And uh, there have actually been a number of UNLV grads who have gone on and and, uh, done very well in the business and have directed or acted in films. 
Well, we love having you here in the community. And this book, everybody's got to get. It is called Stars in the Underwear. There's a lot more. But if you remember Stars in the Underwear, you can get it on Amazon. Is that right, Diana? Yes, right. Mm -hmm. And you were saying that you were hoping that they'd be able to get it around casino gift shops and stuff. That's kind of the plan once we get back to normal. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, I've been online marketing, but um, not able to get out and do book signings and guest appearances has been a little frustrating, but um, that's life as it is right now. But eventually I hope to have the book, um, the hard copy in in, uh, brick and mortar places. Well, we hope to get it, but in the meantime, get it from Amazon, Stars in Their Underwear. Thanks so much, Diana. really enjoyed talking with you today. Thank you so much. I enjoyed you, too. Time now to welcome our expert on real estate and the Vegas market from Flipping Vegas, Gady Medrano. Gady, everyone that watches HTV knows that sometimes client couples can be difficult. As a realtor, what do you do when somebody, you know, one person's telling you, I want a, you know, a, a one-four thing all the way across. The other person wants two or three levels. What do you do? That's so funny because that happens so much. I actually did a meme on um, my Facebook page that was like when the husband and wife finally agree and it was like the silly like hands up in the air because that's how it feels sometimes. There are actual times that I'm walking through a property, they are not on the same page and I I, I literally walk away to like, I I just kind of look out the backyard and let them work that out. And, but I also have been working with people for so many years that I can assess it. And that's actually part of my job and people don't know that. And realtors that don't know how to do this are not very good realtors. You have to properly assess what is their motivation, what is most important to them. And I'll sometimes just ask them directly when I feel like they're just all over the place, what actually is the top five things like that it needs to have deal breakers, figure out their, and then it helps me better assist them. So if they're all over the place, I get them to focus and I just ask the questions that are insightful that I've been asking for years that are incredibly helpful, that it helps them, helps them actually come to the realization what it is that they want, what's important to them and what's not. And that usually helps mitigate, create a bridge, if you will, (laughs) between husband and wife, but they eventually do. And they'll have, so when I see that, and again, another kind of marriage counseling session, like, okay, well, what, what really matters here and what matters more and what, and then you can also, by hearing their conversation, you can assess it, you can help them out. And at the end of the day, you want to make everybody happy. So They'll only be happy if they they know that they're getting what they want, and they have to first identify that. Thanks, Gady. You can reach Gady at gatyrealestate.com. Up next, this week's edition of the Sports Rock on Tours. Today, more on baseball from one of the most knowledgeable baseball reporters in the game, author and sports writer Dan Schlossberg. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Then call. That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute 
absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-296-1337. 800-296-1337. 800-296-1337. That's 800-296-1337. Now, let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome to the Sports Rockin' Tours. It's just about baseball season. No, really, but this year it's going to be weird. So let's find out just how strange in part two of our conversation with Dan Schlossberg, who's written over 25,000 articles and 40 books on baseball, including his latest, a must-read, The New Baseball Bible. When I was a kid, there were teams that were Koufax, Drysdale. They threw complete games all the time. Bob Gibson, they were, they were right down the line. I had baseball cards of all these guys, and I remember that. What happened? I mean, I, relief pitching has is, is just totally changed the game. What do you think was the biggest change that brought that about? Were, were guys really blowing out their arms? Because I don't remember it at that time. No, definitely not. In fact, Don Sutton told me that when he was growing up and – breaking into pro ball, he was taught to finish what he started. And he said if he didn't get a complete game, he was disappointed. And look at the record. Look at Spahn's record, since we mentioned Spahn. He had 363 wins, most by any left-handed pitcher in baseball history, the most by any pitcher since World War II. But he also had 382 complete games, more complete games than wins, because he was a good-hitting pitcher. He actually had home runs in 17 consecutive seasons. So if a pitcher could hit, like Spawn or like Don Newcomb or like Rick Wise and a whole bunch of others, Tony Conniter comes to mind, they ought to be able to stay in the game and go all the way. Yeah. So what do you think brought that about? Is that the players themselves or was that just a managing style? I mean, I remember watching, uh, again, a great A's team. This was the Tony La Russa thing with Dennis Eckersley, and that was automatic. You could picture in the eighth inning he was going to go to the one of, one of the slow guys, and then boom, Eckersley in the ninth, and it, it really worked. But – that wasn't the case in the old days. No. In fact, well, Raleigh Fingers and Bruce Gossage, both in the Hall of Fame, they would pitch three or four innings at a shot. And that was incredible. And they pitched a lot of innings. And remember Mike Marshall? Mike yeah. Marshall pitched 208 innings in one season without ever making a start because he pitched in 106 games, all in relief. That was for the 1974 Dodgers. And you know what? Those Dodgers were in the World Series. Yeah, I remember that. That was a great – I think Marshall was responsible for the only game they won in the World Series that year, wasn't he? Yes, that is correct. Marshall had a phenomenal year. Relief pitching is a new art where we all really enjoy. And like you say, it's changed because now if you've got a a blazer in there, you're going to see him for one inning and that's it. Maybe two if necessary. Pretty much. But look at Mariano Rivera, the only unanimous inductee in Baseball Hall of Fame history. He was phenomenal. More than 600 games saved. That is just incredible. And basically a one-pitch pitcher. Let's talk about this season, because this is going to be a season that you've never seen before. None of us have. It's I don't know what to expect from it. I mean, can it really be considered a real season, considering how few games are going to be played? It will be because the postseason, assuming they complete the postseason, that'll be the same as it always has been. Ten, I shouldn't say always has been, but it has been in recent years. Ten teams in the playoffs 
from, you know, and that's the way it should be. Not 16 teams, which, you, you know, that invites a sub-500 team possibly becoming a world champion. So that's not a good idea. But since the postseason will be there as it has been before, that will have an element of normalcy. 60-game season will not. And people ask me, what records might fall? Well, somebody might hit 450. Who knows? Somebody might have an earn rate average of 0.98 for the year or have a pitching record of 12-0. and There will not be any records for home runs, but batting average is possible and certainly earn run average. So things are going to be different. I just hope and pray that we get through the season with no major catastrophes. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the record book will have a lot of asterisks. I mean, you think of Roger Maris's asterisk. Well, this could have a lot of them if you have somebody hitting 450, say. Yeah, they're going to have to set some new standards, like how many bats do you need to qualify for the batting crown, or how many innings do you need to pitch. That kind of stuff is going to have to be set up. We're coming off, and this is really interesting, because we're coming off this whole idea of the Astros, and you heard about cheating and so forth. They were taking bets in town about who's going to be the first Astro to go for, go down and a pitch thrown at him, and that kind of thing. Uh do you think there's going to be a lot of fallout from that? Or did this all weird pandemic thing kind of help them and kind of help baseball kind of hide this a bit? That's exactly what I believe. I think that this is, is kind of water under the bridge at this point. I did go to a spring training game before baseball shut down involving the Astros. They were playing the Atlanta Braves. And when I saw the Astros play, there were guys in the stands with signs. One guy had a sign that said, steal this sign. <laughs> which I thought was great. And other people were calling them the asterisks, the Houston asterisks instead of the Astros. And I feel really sorry for Dusty Baker for a couple of reasons. Number one is he was off in retirement for a couple of years, really wanted to manage. He's a good manager and a good guy. He finally gets a chance to manage again with the Astros after they, had, they fired their manager because of the whole thing with the, you know, the whole cheating scandal. And then this happens, a pandemic happens, and Dusty's on the sidelines again, and he's 70 years old. He's the oldest manager. Is it going to be safe for him to manage? That's a whole different issue. Yeah, and we're going to have questions like that that we never had before, and people are, you know, the idea of playing games with no fans in the stands and so forth really changes the game. I mean, this is going to be like one like no other do you think that is going to make a difference that now suddenly there won't be any fans there? Of course, there'll be a lot of interest on television, I assume. I'm glad you mentioned broadcasting because broadcasting is going to make a major change this year. We're going back to the recreated game. For the first time since 1961, we're going to have a lot of recreated games. And the reason is that Major League Baseball has ordered all teams not to allow its broadcasters to go on the road with the team. So those games are going to be recreated. The broadcasters are going to come to the studios in their home ballparks and watch a video feed and recreate the game. I imagine they're going to use canned crowd noise because they have to have some sort of a background. But this is going to be the first time most, if not all, these team broadcasters ever did a recreation. What's your take on this? You've seen enough baseball to know. Is this just kind of trying to force something that's not there? Or do you think they can actually turn this around and make this really interesting? I mean, the game is still the game. I do hope that they'll be able to make this interesting because you've got a problem with the 2021 season. If you look ahead, let's say the pandemic is still raging in 2021. 
then the onion, the owners and the union again are going to have the same issue of no fans in the stands, no game day revenue coming, and the teams are not going to be able to meet their payrolls, most of the teams. If that happens, there's going to be either a strike or a lockout. And then the basic agreement expires after the season, and then you really have trouble. So I'm hoping that they get through the 60-game season, they make it work, and they realize both sides, the players and the un- and the management hope they realize that for the good of the game they have to work this out yeah i agree and this year no minor leagues uh, that's going to have long-term effects don't you think because the minor leagues are very important for the continuation of the sport very much so however teams have taxi squads they have basically 60-man rosters expanded rosters they have the 40-man roster and a 20-man sort of a taxi squad and those teams, the taxi squad guys, will probably be playing in AAA or even AA ballparks, like Altoona, the Pirates AA. That's, that's one example where teams are going to be playing. Nashville even wants to host a free agent fantasy camp because there are a whole bunch of free agents that are still unsigned. So it's going to be interesting. We will have other forms of baseball besides Major League Baseball because these guys have to stay sharp so they can be ready when called. In the game, there's, there's something about this game that's just incredible because I know when Korea started playing ball uh, months earlier, people were really excited about that. And I think it, it's just a case of they, the sport is so loved that people will watch just about anything because they, they need that baseball fix. It's true. It is true. They, they really will watch us about anything. But I hope they'll also read just about anything, which is why I did the new Baseball Bible, which came out, by the way, on St. Patrick's Day. So it's a lucky book. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a very lucky book. And you know what's great about it is, what's great is you're missing baseball and so forth, and if this bothers you or whatever, well, we all grew up with it. This is part of our life, which I think is so important. And I think you really captured that. You know what I'm saying? It, it's really, it's something people can remember where they were at certain stages of their life. Uh, life at baseball games or listening to baseball games i know you know a lot of my childhood was spent with a, with a transistor radio mine too I've, I've been covering baseball now for 50 years i worked for the ap now i write for forbes.com and i've written 38 books on baseball and this is the biggest best and latest <laughs> and it is a history of baseball but it's also a history of americana and it's baseball when the only strikes were between the white lines thanks dan Go to our website and check out the Sports Rock and Tours page. You can hear an expanded version of this conversation, plus a number of other great sports stories. And if you have a sports story you'd like us to share, please contact me, Stephen, at VegasNeverSleeps.com. Thanks for listening today. Don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This is Stephen Maggi reminding you to join us again in Vegas Never Sleeps, where you can take a little Vegas home with you. Vegas, here we go!